1: He just threw a fucking wall! O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12-8, 7-38. playing the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, in a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, hello and welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, and Ryan Pay back with you this week as the NBA preseason has come to a close. And we are less than a week away from Pistons basketball in the regular season, the regular season opener. Well, of course, last week, uh, you know, Ryan and I both just with some work commitments and things like that. You know, dealing with some of that fall, just kind of congestion and crap that comes along with the weather change. But, you know, we're healthy for the beginning of the season. It was a preseason rest. You know, you don't want to work the guys too hard. You don't want to get anybody hurt in a preseason podcast. Hey, man, if Blake's going to take some time off, so am I. So here we go. (laughs) Ryan has just confirmed he is the Blake of the podcast. So anyways, boys, how are we doing? Glad, you know, we're all back together. Ryan, I know you're still on the recovery of uh, that congestion and crud, but maybe feeling a little bit better? Yeah, uh, feeling a little bit better. Glad to be back this week. Excuse me if I
0: sound congested or kind of nasally. Still dealing with it a bit, but, you know, back, feeling good. Glad to be here with the boys for the pod, ready for the season to
2: start. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, Meaningful Basketball is going to be back. I was able to hold down the podcast without you guys last week, and Brent, I'm not sure if you listened, but I actually gave you some credit, because I had to host a show, and I'm not used to doing that, and I had my hiccups with it, so I did give you some credit, not sure if you listened, but uh, it's good to have you guys back. Uh, I had a great time with James Edwards of The Athletic, and of course, Palace Pistons staff writer Jacob Rogers, uh, last week on the show, but excited to have you guys back this week, because we get set for the regular season, it makes sense that uh, the, the A-team, the starting lineups here tonight.
1: Yeah, good to be back, good to have everybody in crew, and Well, I guess we kind of have to dive into it, you know. Uh, We could have told you this after preseason game one, but the first time the three of us have been together, you know, to talk kind of reaction to the preseason basketball, let's just start with, uh, well, maybe the obvious. Christian Wood has to make this roster, boys. I think it's plain and simple. It would be a major
2: indictment on the front office to stick with keeping Joe Johnson on the roster Over Christian Wood. Wood has literally done everything possible to showcase that he belongs on the Pistons roster. He's rebounded. He has scored. He has played within the offense. He's played well defensively, altering shots at the rim. Um, he He has outplayed Don Maker throughout the preseason. And he certainly has outplayed Joe Johnson. He has looked like one of the better members of the bench unit. And when you look at Detroit's bench, it's Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard, Markeith Morris, and then those last spots, Dwayne Casey said, those will be fluid spots. And Dwayne Casey showed that not only does he belong to be on the team, but he deserves to be considered for one of those those other two spots, mm-hmm. which you know it could be Langston <clears throat> Galloway, it could be Thon Maker, or it could be a guy like Christian Wood who gets in there. And I, I feel that Wood showed enough throughout the preseason. When you look at how he produced last year in the NBA, and you look at his G, G League uh, history, what he did in preseason was building upon what he did uh, last year in the G League and in the NBA. He showed that he can score the basketball from inside and out. He's extremely athletic. He runs the floor hard. He plays hard in general. He's going to rebound the basketball for you, and and the Pistons need a guy like that. I mean, he's going to fit. In, he would fit in well with a second unit that's going to like to run a little bit with Derrick Rose. I mean, those two guys in transition. Obviously, Rose's speed is going to be tough to stop and just his finishing ability in general. But when you have an athletic monster like Wood running alongside him, uh, you know, helping crater in the defense so your outside shooters, whether it's Kennard and Galloway, Marquise Morris, whoever it may be, those guys are all out there sitting open as Rose and, and, and Wood attack. And, and I mean, I, I just I don't know how you go through preseason and see. And Joe Johnson, you know, 38 years old. He's the game's just too fast for him now, and he had a nice final game of the preseason. Uh, you know against, um, the Charlotte Charlotte Hornets. Um, but You're welcome, thank you. Yeah, yeah, but, you were uh,
1: struggling there.
2: <laughs> I was, but you know he made a couple nice plays here and there, scored the ball a little bit, but still looked extremely slow doing it. And, and he's obviously going to be a big time negative defensively. So, I, I like Joe Johnson. You know, I was excited for the. Uh, potential of him still having some juice left, but he doesn't look like he really has that kind of juice. So Wood has done everything to show that he belongs on the roster. And if the Pistons waive Christian Wood before the regular season begins, that'd be, in my opinion, an an indictment on the front office for not being able to to, to move move on from a guy that maybe has some intrigue and has that history like Joe Johnson for a guy that's clearly just a better player now and fills an actual need
0: on the team. So I believe that there is a strong and solid rapport between the front office and Dwayne Casey's coaching staff. What kind of team they want to put together, you know, who they want to bring in, who they want to send out, you know, what, how they want to build this roster. I don't think there's any sort of divide. I think those guys respect each other and work well together. And I think Dwayne Casey tipped his hand and put it out there and made it very clear who he wants on his roster. And that's Christian Wood. He gave him all the opportunity in this preseason. And Christian Wood did not disappoint at all. And many people are saying, you know, after the first preseason game, people were like, yes. I mean, this is it. And and, people, and and then there were others, you know, it's one preseason game. Stop it. Stop it. But you could just see that he was building off his performance from the end of last year. And it was obvious that, hey, there is a competition here for these backup big minutes. And who's who's gonna come and take him? And Christian Wood, I mean, he just stood out. Everything he did, his finishing at the rim, his defense, his hustle—I mean, everything stood out. He's someone you can go to on the offensive side of the ball. He's gonna finish well around the rim. He, he's gonna take it to the basket. He's gonna attack, and and he's gonna run the floor, which is huge. Right. Like Aaron pointed out with D Rose. A big who runs the floor, D. Rose will find him and will reward him. Yes. And and Christian has those good hands. You know He's going to catch the ball. It's not going to slip through his hands. And he's going to finish at the rim. And, and I just don't know how you can move on from Christian Wood. I understand they like Joe Johnson. And once again, Brendan, leadership guy, locker room guy, I get it. And I'm not even mad at that. <clears throat> so if you want to keep Joe Johnson, that's fine. But you've got to find a way to make sure that's not Christian Wood who's heading out because of it.
1: You know, I've spent some time thinking about this. Spent some time while missing last week's podcast. And, you know, Christian Wood, you look at his preseason, playing well, averaging double figures, 13.2, putting up seven boards a game, finishing at the rim, showing he can play with D. Rose, Giving you an option that, hey, if, if Dre gets in foul trouble or needs a night off, he could slide into potentially even start, and you could continue to utilize Thon off the bench. Um number one, yeah, I know I think you have to keep Christian Wood, but I also think you have to part with Joe Johnson. Because you continue to think about it, and a point I made a few weeks ago was that hey, Langston Galloway still is going to be a trade chip at some point. I really believe it. But when you want to move a guy like Langston Galloway, you want to give something promising with it. You want you want to have that little extra piece that maybe you can flash in there as, hey, this is an upside guy. That guy very well could be Kyrie Thomas. You don't want to trade or cut Kyrie Thomas for nothing. And, yes, I think there's a value of having that veteran presence and Joe in the locker room. And I think there would be some fans that just kind of – rally around the whole ISO Joe if he gets himself some minutes here and there. Um, but that that mantra, that, that excitement for the veteran will go away very quickly when he Jose Calderones himself. And he realizes in the NBA regular season that he can't keep up when he gets put in a spot where maybe he has to play some consistent minutes. I'd much rather see Kyrie Thomas go out there show he can't do it, and prove to us that he's the odd man out, then move on from him and have a lingering thought of, well, what if? What if he got that chance? He's still too early in his career to just give up on nothing. Now, if Detroit can flip Langston Galloway for, I mean, darn near nothing and something you can waive, and you can keep Iso Joe and you want him in the locker room, that's fine, but... Right now, I don't see a fit for Joe Johnson as much as I wanted to. This cha- this kind of changes my tune from a few weeks ago here on the pod. But I'll tell you, if I look at my perspective then, it's, it's changed. I have a different point of view now. It, it would almost be just
2: as much of an indictment on the front office if they waived or traded Kyrie Thomas just so they could keep Joe Johnson. You're talking about a young prospect that... Rightfully so, drew some hype coming into the league. A lot of people talked about him being a steal for Detroit, getting him, uh, you know, into the second round. Some considered him a first round level prospect. And you're talking about a guy that, when he came in and got some minutes in his rookie season, he looked the part, scoring and shooting and showing he could add a little bit of a handle and could defend. He looked the part of. There's a reason this guy. This is a guy we traded assets so we could get another trade up in the draft to get him. The Pistons gave up assets to get Kyrie Thomas. And for them to give up on him just one year into his career for a 38-year-old that has shown, unfortunately, his time has passed in the league, it would be just as large of an indictment. You cannot give up on a young guard that, even after a poor offensive performance in summer league because again it wasn't a good summer league for thomas and all of us agree he did not shoot the ball well he did not score the ball the way that he showed he could i mean you know in the first game he had 26 points of summer league and then after that he was a non-factor and that's a problem but at the same time he's only he's you know he's a young kid he's played one regular season of his NBA career you're giving up on that for Joe Johnson, who is just not going to be a factor, at least a positive factor for your team on the court, that is a big-time issue at, at the end of the day. You cannot give up on Kyrie Thomas, because I still think there, there's a player there. So what? It didn't happen in Summer League. Guys struggle in Summer League. If, you're, if, if Summer League was that important, then, my God, Bruce Brown would probably be the, you know, the starting point guard, shooting guard, and small forward for how good he played. So, that that's kind of my thoughts on Kyrie Thomas's situation. I I think it'd be really, uh, I think it'd be a poor decision for Detroit to get rid of Kyrie Thomas just so they can keep Joe Johnson. And kind of speaking about Langston Galloway, I've been very, I've talked a lot about Detroit potentially needing to move him. But I think the way Svi played in summer league, and I know this is kind of taking the topic in a little bit of a direction, a different direction. But just quickly here, because I've I've talked a lot about Galloway being a trade chip it's almost like Detroit kind of needs to hold on to Galloway for a little bit because I'm not sure if he showed enough in the second unit that he's going to be a consistent scoring threat uh, or has made enough strides defensively. I honestly think he played okay defensively, but the jury's still going to be out on that considering it's preseason and whatnot. Uh, And Langston's a guy that is still going to take, take shots and and score the ball a little bit and knows the offense guys know how he likes to play. So I almost think you got to hold on to Langston. I, I, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Joe Johnson is the guy that needs to be cut. As unfortunate as that is, because I think everyone would have liked to see Joe Johnson have another one last ride in the NBA. It's just
1: time has come for him. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'll disagree. No, I mean. It, and it, that's weird because it, usually it's I'm weird. like. I know, right? Aaron, you know, shut up. You're you're wrong. That's what he's saying. But like, no, I'll disagree. You're right. It's It's tough. You know, like Aaron said, everyone wants to see Joe Johnson have that,
0: that final run, that ride off into the sunset. That, like, I mean, we all feel he kind of deserves, in a way, you know, for his career. Um, you know, I mean, who doesn't love ISO Joe? I, I love that guy when I was younger. Like, he, I, I, we've talked about how bad I wanted him in Detroit. and I, I just enjoyed watching him play. And he's one of my favorite players. But it, it just looked... Like, it just wasn't quite there anymore. He, a step, two steps, three steps, slow. Uh, guy's just more athletic than him. A lot of his game was based on his, his athleticism and his handle and how he could, you know, manipulate defenders. And when you take that away in your older age, it, it changes the game for you. You know? And how do you adjust? And he's not like he can just, okay, I can play the four now. You know, like he was saying, he's six six. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it it's... 6667 whatever it, you know it's it's interesting so it's it's up you know it's sad but i agree you can't give up on Kyrie. as much as i've pointed out that he might be the odd man out and it kind of looks that way i've said that before the preseason i think Kyrie might be the odd man out here. and he still may be and he still may be i mean he he didn't see the floor which was crazy to me i couldn't believe that like that stunned me to be honest that Kyrie like just wasn't seeing the floor, which pre-season. really,
2: which it, it really makes you feel like Detroit's about to move him, and, and that they don't want to injure him because they. When, when because
0: Withers they... is getting in and, and he gets
2: waived the next night, when you know these guys that aren't going to make the roster get into the game, Dante Hall, when those kind of guys get in, in the game before Kyrie Thomas is under
0: contract, they don't want to get him injured because clearly something's gonna.
1: I mean I'm, I I don't know for sure but it it, it just so seems it that seems it indicates clear you know it that indicate that you know Jordan something, Bones
0: getting minutes he's something is on the horizon here. Hey
1: how about that group in that last game versus Charlotte giving up that massive lead and allowing Charlotte yeah. to come back and then dart near four so it, it was Jordan Bones
2: fee He just kept Todd Withers, Sekou, Sekou and uh, Dante Hall Yeah Disastrous, disastrous.
1: I mean, they just kept turning the ball over. Charlotte goes down, buries a three. Detroit throws it away. Charlotte goes down, you know, How, how, how many, makes how a long, shot.
0: How long has that lineup played together? Has that lineup ever been on the floor together?
1: <laughs> I mean, probably not, but that was just like, dang. Like, come on. Well, come Benning, on, you boys. Said, you
2: said Seku, so I'm going to give it a little bit of the plug here uh, for Palace of Pistons con- content. Mike Filione wrote a outstanding, a truly outstanding, season and preview.
1: outstanding i thought you were the editor you an said outstanding. A outstanding
2: an outstanding
1: there you go come on Jesus. i thought an he was the editor
2: hey an outstanding season preview on, on Seku Dumbuya. really go check it out it's unique it's not like a season preview you're gonna read anywhere else and i seriously truly mean that so go check it out again palacepistons.com so we're gonna find all the content all yeah. the season previews and, and all that good stuff but that Seku one brendan mentioned his name you didn't get to see a lot of them in preseason but I had to shout that out because it's such great work uh, from Mike Fillion, but a ton of great content. Nonetheless, let's keep going.
1: Well, yeah, give a quick attaboy to Mike. Give a quick attaboy to, you know, our staff writers that do great stuff. Their content, I mean, it's legit, you know? I mean, obviously we do the pod. Obviously most weeks, of course, there's an instance like last week where a few of us are gone, but for the most part, you know, it's us three holding down the pod, but Aaron, between you and then the staff of writers, I mean, you guys do a tremendous job keeping that content going on the website every day. So that piece by Mike on Seiku was good. And I, I mean, it, it's one of those things that Pistons fans are just gonna have to accept that you're not gonna get a lot of Seiku this year. He's not he's just not gonna be on the floor. You might see him here and there, but I don't I don't think you're gonna see him a lot. And now this was a reality we needed yeah. to
0: accept quite a while ago. Yeah. Sure, we talked early on, like right after the draft, hey, maybe this guy can steal minutes, you know, maybe it can happen. We learned pretty quickly that that was not going to be a reality. It was going to take something major from, like major, major. from Seku, to be getting those minutes, and... It was very clear very early on. Like, said, so this really
1: shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. is such a talented player, but he's now got to learn how to play in the NBA. Yeah,
0: I mean, there's a difference between being 18 and playing in Europe and being 18 and playing in the NBA. There's there's a lot of talent there and a lot of raw ability, and I'm so excited for Seku, as everyone should be. But now he's playing in the Grown Man's League. Like, this is the League of Leagues. This is it. He's gonna have to learn how to play here. It's gonna take a little time,
1: and that's okay. That's fine. But you just have to accept it, because yeah, I mean, and I think for the most part, people have like I, I don't think I don't think anyone's of people no. going, you know, where Seku, where Seku. But you got to remember, even if so, there's some struggles, even if there's some opportunities that like maybe Seiku could have been the guy plugged in, whether it's for rest days or injuries, he's not ready. He's not ready and you don't want to force him into something that he's not ready for and ruin him and kill his confidence and set him back. You want to ease him in. It's it's very different from some guys that maybe we've had in the past where it's like, you want to get him in the lineup. You want, like Luke Kennard, like you need to have him playing against the big boys. I don't care if he starts or he's in the second unit. Meaningful minutes are gonna be important for Luke Kennard this year, right? He doesn't have to start to get a lot of meaningful minutes. But they are that's what he needs to do this year is play and succeed in those meaningful minutes. That's what we need out of Luke. Whereas Seku, he just needs to get in here and there and he needs to find his way and he needs to develop and mature as a player. He needs to gradually... spend a, a year learning how to be a professional in the NBA. He knows how to be a professional in Europe. Yeah.
0: It's different. You need to learn how to be a professional here. You're 18 and you're, you have to be an adult. Like, you need to learn how to prepare, how to carry yourself, how to act, when you should be in the film room, when you should be on the court practicing, working out. Like you said, he's been a pro. He gets it, but it's different in the NBA. It's it's underestimated how
2: tough of a transition
0: that is. That, that is a transition. 18, unbelievable.
2: 18-year-olds are in like high school. Yeah, 18-year-olds are having mom and dad make their bed, make their lunch, do everything for them. They go to school, struggle in school, go the, home and play Fortnite. Like this, this man in the NBA. just...
0: Left his home for a foreign country to play in the NBA. It's going to take a year.
1: yeah, and you call if him, anything else, and you call him man, and I'm not saying he isn't, but I mean he's 18. How he's many 18, people would know, call right? him a kid? I you know, know, exactly. A lot of people still would say he's a kid.
0: Exactly, he's
1: 18. Even though when you see him on the concourse at Ford Field, just walking around, he doesn't look 18. He looks <laughs> much older. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> he looks significantly so older. So he's
0: he's going to have some growing pains just on. You know, I mean, maybe it's not going to be the worst thing in the world for him because, like, it's, like we keep bringing up, he's been a pro, but yeah,
1: he'll transition.
0: I don't think that's the that's issue. not, the, but it's just going to take some time. Plus, sure. he's been playing basketball for what six months? Jesus, man! <laughs> like, seriously, he's been playing what since he was 12, 13 or whatever. Right. That's when he picked up a ball. Five years and he's in the NBA. It's quite remarkable. What? That's crazy when you really think about that. Yeah, that's insane. Five years. I played basketball for 17 years, and I couldn't even sniff anything. Yeah. Also, I'm not six eight, but still. <laughs> Just, Just picking a ball up for five, after five years and being like, yeah, I'm good enough for the NBA. Uh-huh. Crazy times. Nuts. So, it'll take some time.
1: Well, you know, I want to switch gears a little bit, just kind of talking more about preseason and some reactions and some things we've noted. And, you know, we've bounced around talking from Christian Wood. We've talked some Sekou. We've mentioned Svee. We've talked Kyrie. Uh, but I think there's a big guy we need to get into, and that's Reggie Jackson. Reggie obviously secured to make the roster. This isn't about whether he's on, whether he's out. But Reggie struggled again in the preseason. You know, and Reggie had such a good playoff series versus Milwaukee where he put up individually some really good numbers and ended that season on kind of a positive note. Like, hey, if he could play like that night in, night out, I mean, my goodness, we're not trading Reggie Jackson. Maybe we're extending Reggie Jackson. And it's one of those things you want to see it to believe it. But he uh, he left a lot to be desired in his minutes during the preseason do you guys take anything from that? Is that that big of a deal? Will we care more next week uh, when the lights go on and the record starts counting?
2: Yeah, I mean it's preseason. You have to take everything with that that certain grain of salt. But at the same time, I think there is some legitimate. there's, there's some legitimate reason to be worried. This is a guy that had. a great playoff series as you mentioned was going into his first healthy offseason in years so their expectations were high for him and he's come out and, and he very poorly played shooting the basketball at, at an abysmal percentage 28 percent from the field 27 percent from the three-point line and, and and i get there's rust and whatnot but you got to be able to build yourself into some type of of form and jackson just didn't do that and that was somewhat concerning i mean it's not the end of the world it's preseason this is a guy that's been in the nba for you know six seven eight nine ten years whatever so it's not like he's a bad player because of it but it's just like i think everyone was kind of expecting to see something more and for him to come out and consistently struggle the way he did up until he ended up not playing in the last game of the preseason you know, I just think it was a little bit disappointing in that regard. And I I would be lying if I said I wasn't just a little bit concerned.
0: And like you said, you prefaced it with, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it's the preseason. And that's how I feel as well. It's the preseason. So it's not all hit panic buttons. But I would be remiss if it didn't concern me. If I didn't say it didn't concern me. I mean, you, you hate to see it, honestly. He was talking. He talked himself up, not about how oh, I'm a great player this offseason, but how I finally have a healthy off season. He pulled the
1: Blake card. He's like, "I got a healthy off season. I
0: finally have a healthy off season to, you know, improve, to work on my game, to figure these things out, and to come in and see the shooting struggles he has had. It's it's troubling, to be honest. I mean, of course, the lights can come on and that switch could just flip, and oh shoot." Reggie Jackson had a healthy offseason. Damn. You know, like, it could be, oh, shoot. But it, it just, he didn't, I don't know. Maybe he was just, hey, going through the motions. It's preseason. Who cares? But. do not want to get hurt. Didn't want to get hurt. You know, I'm just going to do, just, I'm just here just to, you know, get my legs, get ready for the season. But, man, it just, it was a little troubling watching the struggling shooting. I don't know. It's. It wasn't promising. I'll say that. I will
2: say, kind of sticking with the point guards here, uh, Derek Rose and Jackson both didn't play in the, the preseason finale against Charlotte. We got an extended look at Tim Frazier. And Ryan talked about, when we ranked the Pistons in, in term of terms of value weeks back, how important Tim Frazier was. And my God, Ryan, you were so right. 15 points, 12 assists. For Frazier, looks so good running that second or running the first unit, but it just looks so comfortable out there. And you just you you at least I did. I imagined those minutes if they were played by Jose Calderon, and 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 the difference
1: that I saw. So you you uh, did a little self torture, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are you you okay? You put yourself through it. We need to like, we need to talk after the pod. Like, are you okay? (laughs) Tell me now.
2: Frazier's really, really looks like a, a good player, and, and we knew that. We knew Frazier w- was solid. He's just always been that third-string point guard, that guy that's going to come in and, and and he'll still find a way to produce. And, and that's going to be really important this year. And it, it's going to be one of those things where it's like Jose Calderon played two thousand minutes last year. If if you don't have Jose Calderon playing two thousand minutes, and you have someone of Tim Frazier's talent playing those two thousand minutes. There's no, like, there's no question the Pistons will be a better team this
0: year. Just off it, that alone. I am we broke it down in the past on Past Pods about it. Derek Rose is not playing 82 games. He's not. Reggie Jackson, I understand, played 82 last year. But what are the chances he does that again? I would say slim. Considering his history. Hey, maybe he's good and he does it. But there's gonna be opportunity there, and someone's gonna have to step up.
1: The thing is, and it's gonna be Tim. Frazier. And with the trend of the NBA and the way depth works, uh, the, well, let me put it this way: the way that you have depth, and when you have it, you know, and you use it, like it's shown, it can work to your advantage. You put it in that perspective. It would be really silly not to give Reggie a couple nights off, and give Blake his rest, give Dre some rest. Like, of course, you need to be in a position where you're winning games and you can afford to do that. But as long as you stay competitive and in the hunt, you might need to find a way here and there. Hey, take an extra day. You know, turn these two days off into three days off. You know, really rest your body. And that way, I mean, just, just for treatment, just for, hey, you're sore, let's not, let, let's not push it. You know, let's not push it. Let's take a day,
0: and maybe Tim Frazier doesn't play the two thousand minutes that Calderon played last year. Let's say he year, plays a thousand. But those minutes Calderon was on the court were a negative for the Pistons. It was literally the reason they lost games. I don't. Not that I don't. I don't. I don't expect it won't be that way with Tim Frazier. I think Tim Frazier's going to put up a positive rating this year when he's in the game. It's it's going to change this team. Mm-hmm. Even though we may not see him, you know, consistently, and he may not always be in every game, it's going to be a net positive for this team. It's gonna help this team for the better. It's also one of those
2: things where Dwayne Casey talks about fluid spots off the bench. Well, you might need to put Tim Frazier in that conversation. You know, he's a guy that's you can plug in. Yes, he's short. He should probably be your one, just with his ball handling ability. So. You're able to slide a guy like Derrick Rose to the two, which he started to play more in his career. He's still going to play a lot of point guard, but he has that ability to play shooting guard. And Frazier's a guy that maybe Rose isn't the greatest outside shooter, but Frazier is a reliable outside threat. Had It's a very good assist to turnover ratio player. does not turn the ball over and is a very uh, efficient passer. He just makes the right plays. And, you know, if Langston's in a, in a, in a cold streak, a cold month, which happened half of the season last year you have a guy like Frazier that can come in and, and can play alongside Rose and that second unit can can make it work if need be Frazier just is a guy that I really think this year you're going to see because he just makes the right plays. and those players even if their ceiling isn't high or, or super high it still has incredible value
0: and to your point you bring it up and it's a good point and you know we've been hitting on hey what if Reggie Jackson doesn't play? Or what if Derrick Rose doesn't play? Or what if them get injured? But even move it a step further. What if Bruce Brown gets a couple nights off for rest? What if Luke Kennard gets a couple nights off for rest? Or what if one of them, God forbid, we don't want, does take an injury and has to miss for a week or two? You can slide. Right. Like, let's say Bruce, Bruce let's misses some time. Let's say Tony Snell gets hurt. You can slide Luke into the starting lineup, and you move Derrick Rose over the two, and Tim Frazier is your one in your backup, in your, in your two... Uh, in your second lineup. Like, there's gonna be more opportunity for Tim Frazier this year than just, hey, Reggie's taking the night off, or hey, Derek's taking the night off. There's chances are this might be an injury or two. Sure. I'm not saying major, but, or, uh, you but, know, but there's going to be like Snell there's... gets his nights off or whatever. Uh, Luke, Bruce, yeah. it's going to happen. People We're going to see D- Tim Frazier more than I think we realize.
2: I, it's, it's, Tim Frazier's a lot like Christian Wood in the sense that when he gets on the floor, he produces, but for some reason hasn't been able to stick. And, and while Frazier's stuck in the NBA, he hasn't s- been able to stick in a position where he's consistently getting minutes night in and night out in a quality role.
1: Well, he's been in some pretty tough situations though. I mean, he's been behind some good guards. You know, he he's never been in a spot where hey, Tim Frazier is the solidified two guard, two, you know, point guard on the roster, the backup. Wait, last and, year played with, with in the Milwaukee Bucks and you yeah. have Eric Bledsoe, George Hill and Malcolm Brogdon,
2: they're all ones.
1: Yeah, he's the number four point guard in, in their rotation on their
2: roster. Like played I, you know, played with Portland, played with New Orleans, Drew Holiday, um you know he's he's been he's not been in the best positions but you know he's come out and shown that he's a player and yeah. he, he can have a positive impact
1: on this team and he will which is good so the pistons have 5 games in october it starts wednesday the 23rd at indiana they come home to detroit on the 24th to play the hawks they stay at home to host the 76ers. On Saturday the 26th. On Monday the 28th. They play at home. First the Pacers. Then they travel north. And play in Toronto. To round out their October schedule. Three games at home. Two on the road. Two matchups. With the Pacers. And one with the defending champs. Obviously. Very different look though with Kawhi gone, among some others. Mm-hmm. Those five games. What's the Pistons' record November one? Uh, three and two. Three and two. I, I think that and November one before eight o'clock when they play Chicago. Of course, <laughs>
2: I'll go with three and two because I think that they'll they'll certainly mm-hmm. lose to Philadelphia, and then I think that they. Will win three of the other four. You know whether they beat Indiana twice and the Hawks, or they beat Toronto, split with Indiana, beat the Hawks, or beat Indiana both times, with the Hawks and beat Toronto. I think they'll win uh, three of those games. In reality, if I'm picking, I think they beat Indiana twice and Atlanta. You have to beat in Indiana right now. There, this that's a team that really has to build chemistry on the fly. Doesn't have Victor Oladipo. Uh, that those are prime opportunities at the beginning of the, of the season when the Pistons, who are set to be at full health, need to be able to capitalize. Uh, and, you know, you're playing a team without their best player. You're build- playing against a team that has a lot of new guys on the roster, and they're trying to build chemistry. You have to be able to capitalize on that. So I'm certainly looking for Detroit to pick up uh, wins in those two games. And then Atlanta, you know, Atlanta's one of those teams that some people are picking to be playoff contenders, so sneaky playoff contenders out of the East. Uh, they had an interesting offseason. Of course, they still have Trey Young, who they're expecting big growth from. But if the Pistons are a playoff team, if the Pistons are a good team, like we say they are, they got to be able to beat a team like the Hawks. And and you know, then it's up to them to compete with Toronto or you can compete with Philadelphia. Which you know, Philadelphia is going to be one of the best teams in the East, and Detroit struggled with them mightily last year. So I don't assume it'll be different this year, especially considering the roster changes that Philly's made bringing in Al Horford, bringing in Josh Richardson. Uh so they're going to be so
1: tough to match up with.
2: Impossible. They're like, their length, their defensive ability. It's going to be especially for a team like Detroit who's based off their smaller guards, Reggie Jackson, Derrick Rose, Luke Kennard. Uh you know, those guys are going to have a tough time matching up defensively against those 6 eight, you know, 6-7 guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're not far off. 3 and 2 I think is a fair prediction. If they're under 500 through the first 5 games. That's a bit of a red flag to me, even though I've always said it's a 10 game buffer in the regular season. You know, teams need to find themselves, and you find that flow. And then after, you know, the 10 games after, that's when you really know. But uh, no, if they're under 500 after the first five games, that for me would be a bit of a, a bit of like, uh oh, what's going on here? Because I, you have a prime opportunity in Indiana, like you laid out. It's a team that has to build their chemistry on the fly. No Victor Oladipo. You have to take advantage. Like You have to. If this is a playoff team better than an AC playoff team, you have to figure that out. Yes, Atlanta's some sneaky possible playoff team. No. There's too much experience now on this roster. Go bury them. It's going to be a fun game. The only Atlanta's going to be good. Is Beat them. Atlanta.
2: So here's the thing with Atlanta. It's on a back-to-back. But Detroit's also the home team against Atlanta, so right. there should be that little bit of extra energy, home opening night. And again, if you're a good team like you say you are, you your goal is to host a playoff series. And you have
0: to go out and win that you, game. You win that game. I, that's my personal opinion. That's my belief. So I, I think three and two is a fair, a fair benchmark. I mean, if they're above that, awesome. Below that, that's a little concerning to me.
1: I I actually have a feeling they're going to go four and one.
0: But what? the game
1: that they lose is going to be at home to Indiana, because I, I could see Detroit going out making a statement night one in Indiana while they're figuring some things out, coming home and I, I it would be very surprising to me to see them lose at home versus Atlanta. Saturday the twenty sixth, those boys will be ready to play. Like that place will be loud. I just have a really good feeling about the Philadelphia game, but there will be a hangover and that will be the home game versus Indiana. And, and I feel like that is if they beat Philadelphia or if they lose to Philadelphia, if it's a competitive game that Indiana home game scares me because there's just some hangover of all that excitement and energy going into that Saturday home game versus Philly. I also think Detroit will go up to Toronto and take care of business. I just Dwayne Casey obviously has done well <laughs> in Detroit versus himself, Toronto. Absolutely. He's done okay. Uh and I think Toronto's gonna take a little bit of time figuring themselves out too. They've got some pieces. Toronto's gonna be a good basketball team this year, don't get me wrong. But they're gonna have to figure themselves out. I mean you don't Kawhi. just
0: lose Kawhi Leonard and be like, yeah, we're fine. You
1: don't adjust to having a guy like Kawhi that can just make those kind of plays and change your game completely. And then all of a sudden flip the switch and be like, oh yeah, we gotta figure it out. I think Detroit can go up there. It's a prime opportunity for them to take one on the road. Um, and before they head to Chicago to start their November slate, I feel like it's a very winnable game. So three and two is the I think fair, reasonable answer. I I think four and one's optimistic, but I like it. I don't know if five and zero is realistic because either you're going to put a lot of energy into beating Philadelphia, or the reality of beating Philadelphia is going to come out and it's going to be tough. So Blake, fifty burger against Philly again? Maybe Ooh, a, let's see it. Let's maybe see it. a sixty burger. You never know. Wow, I'm just putting you it heard, out there. You were, did we, you we call, know? Did, were, yes, was that we know. You last we year? know
0: how Blake Griffin performed when I would call him out on this podcast. Okay, okay. So there you have it, sixty burger Blake So we're calling, we're calling big numbers already. We're just getting that train <laughs> started now. Oh, man. That's why
2: That's why it's good the NBA season's here. Yeah, we so need, it. This we need it. We need it. We need
0: it. Yeah,
1: we do. What? Yes. Like
0: 50-15-8? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> book it. <laughs> just, just book it.
1: Book it right now. You heard it here first. Boys, when we talk next week, the Pistons will have a record on their official record for the 2019-2020 season. Any final words? before moving into the Pistons' regular season. Finally, the time is here, I think, through the dog days of August and September, where we're reaching. We're pulling for anything. I mean, what was the headline story? Was Michael Beasley a 20-minute segment this (laughs) offseason? Oh, yeah, it was. Okay.
0: what was Michael Beasley, a Piston for 20 minutes? Yeah, seriously. Oh,
1: gotcha. Okay, we talked about him longer than his tenure. Okay, great. Uh, But it's here. The time has come. Any final words before we transition into the regular season?
2: Buckle up, man. It's going to be a ride. It's going to be a ride. The Pistons will be a ride. Palace of Pistons will be a ride with uh, the different kind of content we're going to bring you. It's going to be a lot of fun. There will be some highs. There will be some lows. But Pistons basketball is back. and, And it's good that the NBA is back because life has true meaning once more.
0: We made it, fellas. It, it was long. It was, uh, it was a struggle at times. But we made it. We're here now. It's about to get real. And I'm excited. And I know all of you out there are excited. I know you fellas right here are excited. So let's get it going. Let's get it
1: going. Time to get to work, boys. Time for Pistons basketball. And time for you to do just a couple of quick things. Obviously, with the season starting... If you haven't liked and rated, maybe thrown out a review, subscribed is the big thing, though, to the podcast, well, you need to change that now. You aren't going to want to miss these weekly pods throughout the season. Another thing, we're on YouTube. You think we're going to have great YouTube content throughout the season? Well, you're absolutely right. You want to make sure you subscribe to that page. You don't want to miss those videos. You don't want to miss our breakdowns. You don't want to miss Aaron's little... Uh, videos before and after games, you know, losing his mind when Detroit drops two, three in a row, uh, you know, absolutely going bananas when they pick up a home win, uh, you know, versus uh, whoever the bottom team in the league is. I mean, come on. You don't want to miss this stuff. So make sure you find us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the pod. Also, obviously, on Twitter, Palace of Pistons, Instagram at Palace of Pistons, Check out the Facebook page, circling back to Twitter. You can follow Aaron at A. Johnson NBA, Ryan at Ryan Pay, myself, at Media Brendan. Throw us a follow, engage with us. We want to hear your thoughts. The boy said it. Buckle up. It's time to go. We're here now. We'll see you next week. Talking about Pistons basketball and the regular season underway here on the Palace of Pistons Podcast.